0: Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and you're listening to Talking CFD with Robin Knowles. It's kind of like my show, but for CFD nerds, prepare to ignite. Simon.
1: Hello, Robin. How are you?
0: I'm good. I'm good. I uh, I just noticed a little button down in the bottom of Skype that showed that lets me send you money. That's uh, Really? Yeah, yeah. Or, or for you to send me money. Oh, It's all good.
1: Okay, now that's a messaging thing. Okay, I'll look into that.
0: Yeah, well, if you yeah, if you want anybody to test it on, that's fine. <laughs> I'm here for you.
1: Splendid. How's Not bad, just recovering from, uh, I think Microsoft now needed to know how old I was before it let me use Skype. So
0: oh, fun. yeah, it does. That's right, just to make sure you're safe.
1: Safe, well, okay. I <laughs> think I can look after myself, okay, on Skype.
0: Yeah, yeah, some of us can't, but that's fine. Um, yes,
1: you're right, there are people who
0: can't. As we are both grown Englishmen, how much of this show are we going to spend complaining about how hot it is?
1: Um, just a very short period, I think. Okay, it's, it's hot. It is hot. It's. I'm all right with the heat, um, apart from my um, reluctance to spend any money on my very old car, which results in the fact that the air conditioning doesn't work. So that's a little bit unpleasant. But other than that, it was okay. You
0: could simulate it.
1: <laughs> Simulated air conditioning.
0: Well, simulate what's wrong with it and how you could, how far you have to wind the windows down. There's <laughs> yeah. a sort of trade-off.
1: I used, um, I used the old-fashioned air conditioning. I opened the window.
0: Did you have to wind the handle?
1: No, I no, I, that works by a button. Excellent.
0: <laughs> um, any CFD news?
1: Um, no. No, I don't think much CFD news, but I've been Pythoning again. <sighs> it's good. I think it's relevant for our uh, chat on Paraview as well. There's a good Python element to Paraview. You've just, you've just
0: spoiler alert, the, the episode.
1: I have. I thought we were open about it. Do I need to rewind?
0: No, you're good. Python, Python, Python. So this is like a post-processing stroke Paraview fanboy episode, isn't it?
1: Yes, I was um, I was contemplating beforehand that you and I are both Paraview fanboys, so we just have to make sure that we're uh, as objective as possible to the other po- processing tool sets that are available.
0: Oh yeah, I've got absolutely nothing against them. I think this could be kind of the start of a, be, there could be further fanboy episodes where we kind of talk about some of the other tools and things that we do. I mean, we don't have to agree on it. We can have our own. You can, you know, you're quite welcome to have your own tools that you like, but, um, we do happen to agree on this one. So, um, it's either going to be a really short episode because one of us is going to go, well, why would you use anything else? And that nobody's going to have a good answer to that. And then that'll be it. Or we might get a bit more, might get a bit more into it. Um, and as I said previously, this is kind of nothing against any of the other tools. It just happens to be that's what we both use. We both kind of really quite like it. Um, but do you have a bit of a post processor history? How did you get to PowerView? What have you What have you come via?
1: Um, I came via. Or oh, if you want to go right back to the early days, um, I did a fair bit of post processing for my PhD with TechPlot. Um, But that would have been between the years of 2000 and 2004. So Tech Plot today is clearly not the same as Tech Plot then. And to be fair, I was using it mostly for graphics, for graphs, rather than any interesting 3D type things. It's still knockout for that, though.
0: I did did all my stuff in, uh, well, I started doing all my stuff in Tech Plot for my PhD. And uh, for 2D charts and contour plots and things, I thought it was, back in the day, it was mega. Like yeah. I said, I can't comment as to whether it's still mega, but it
1: certainly was. No, so then, um, then, um, got in, uh, the the world of insight was thrust upon me, um, which was kind of, I enjoyed it. So Insight's very powerful, but it was also quite easy to get a little bit lost in sometimes. Um, but I think that was the tool set of choice. So that would have been back in our, um, Shared Formula One days of oh, what? What years were that? Two thousand and five to two thousand and seven, something l-
0: like that. I lose track. It was around then, but yeah. So I I was in there with the, in the Enlightened camp as well. Uh, sorry, in the Insight camp. I was just going to say Insight. I could take it or leave it, but I do miss Enlightens. If anybody's an Insight user and they know what Enlightens are, then I'd have them back.
1: Yeah. So that was one thing that I was thinking about um with regards to the use of ParaView that there's not an immediately um obvious little viewer that you can use. Um,
0: no, so for those who don't know, Enlighten was like a little three d viewer where you could spit out this kind of proprietary format three d file that had i think it could have more than one variable in it, but you kind of set up your scene of your your post pro and then you could pass that off to somebody else who only needed the viewer and the the data file and or this subset of a data file actually um, and then they could spin it around and zoom in and out and, and do all those nice sort of things that, that that people like to do with PostPro that is uh, kind of one step above sending out just flat pictures
1: No, that was particularly good in, in the environments that I used it in um, because the, um, the little viewer was um, free of charge so obviously you needed a a proper license for insight to generate the uh, the data file that the viewer read in um but once you had an agreed way of um processing cfd output then you could um, provide data files to aerodynamicists and other folk who could then go and look at it to their heart's content um so that was um that was something that was on my mind and it was actually a question for you given that um you're uh, firmly in the Paraview camp. Uh, Is that something that you miss with regards to um, potentially providing data sets to your clients? Do you think that would be nice to be able to do? Or are your data sets too large? Or is there something else that would get in the way of that? Uh,
0: So, yeah, it is something that I miss. And up until pretty recently, I was still using the Insight video format evo for my movies because this free player that you've already mentioned um was just really quite nice for sort of scrubbing frame by frame through post-processing and looking at the movies kind of as a as you might like to do in tfd sort of stepping through slice plots and things like that um and that's all gone away because i'd kind of forgotten that ansys bought them last year um I think it was last year, and you can't have those tools anymore. They're still available if you've got an ANSYS licence, but everybody else, which anybody could have them previously, um, can't anymore, Um, which was a a bit of a shame. So, yeah, I do miss the Enlightened. The bit I miss about it that I haven't found a sort of decent replacement for was the fact that um, I would set up the entire scene, so it was as I was looking at it, the, the information that I wanted to convey was on the screen and I could send that to somebody else that then they could, like I say, could zoom in and out um, because it's it's rare you could capture the whole of whatever you were trying to convey from a, a static plot, especially if you've got something like a, a car or something where there's there's lots of nooks and crannies and you might there isn't a view that captures it all. Um, and you could send that and they could manipulate it, but they didn't have to either know about how to get that view created. It just appeared when they opened it. They didn't need to know anything about um, what variables were involved or do any calculations or something like that. And I'm, I feel like I am I do miss that, and I think I would use that feature. I, I think you could go some way towards replicating it in Paraview, but it isn't something that I have investigated heavily.
1: No, well, I was just thinking you could use the client server relationship in Paraview, which we'll probably touch on from a cloud computing perspective in a minute, but I guess that still requires that the person at the other end has got a live, fully functioning version of Paraview open and all the bells whistled buttons and um, blind alleys that that could involve, so yeah i mean the th- the nice
0: thing about enlighten was that was all it was it was a it was just you 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 read it in, you spun it around, you had a look what was what I think there were a few other little tricks and things that you could do um in terms of switching data sets around and things like that, but at a sort of base use level um they n- people didn't need to know anything they could just open it, spin it around, and have a look at it, and that um from a sort of liaising with a customer point of view, as to as opposed to liaising with another CFD person, is is quite a value add. Um,
1: Absolutely. Okay. So the other one that I was thinking about was um, managing large data sets. So
0: um, hang on, before we get there, did you go anywhere else after uh, Insight, or was it Insight to Oh,
1: back to my potted history. Um, so, so at the moment it's the same as mine. Yes, I think it it pretty much is. So insight, so, um, and then Paraview. Well, I was going to touch on. Uh, I can't remember the name of the software exactly, but it's um one of those bespoke tools written by those shark guys from Manchester. Periscope. 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 Ah, there you go. You passed the test. Um, Ding. So per- Um, yeah so periscope i've used a little bit um and that was as a result of this um, time efficiency with large data sets that was a little bit hampering with insight this would have been oh maybe a couple of years on from the time scale we're talking about so 2010-ish um you know kind of motorsport size um cfd models um post-processing insight was still five ten
0: million cells yeah
1: <laughs> ten million. Cool. Uh, yeah, two thousand and ten. Um <laughs> so that was something that was um that was kind of a bit better than insight in terms of speed of processing. So um, when you've got lots of runs coming off your cluster for different aerodynamic configurations, then that would be able to spit out. I think it was a similar type of thing. So the Periscope um did its processing and you looked in a little Periscope viewer and it did the same type of um movies as the evo things you were describing um so it wasn't something that i used a lot in terms um, compared to insight so insight i would be finding my way around particular cases and you know trying to show streamlines of particular flow features and things like that but the um my experience with periscope was more just a case of um process automation, slotting it into a um, reasonably aggressive motorsport um, CFD simulation process that went all the way from meshing to solving to uh, post-processing. So I didn't really use it very much. There was a bunch of config files, and I just set it up in queues and got it to do its thing. So I wouldn't really describe it as using. I didn't use it. I wasn't a Periscope user, but I was familiar with what it did. So
0: that, I want to touch on that again a bit later, sort of the interactive versus the sort of batch usage, because um, for me, the batch aspect of it, um, the unattended post-processing is super important. If it can't do that, then I'm not interested. Okay. Um Oh, maybe maybe I am if it does something super fancy, but um, yeah, the 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 batch processing is is super important. I notice none of us have yet mentioned, and maybe it's just because we've got our kind of post processing tool head on that the kind of the built in post processes in any of the the codes. Um, I mean, it's a long time. To be fair, it is a long time since I was in Fluent. I can't even remember what release it was. I think single digits, certainly. Um, and the post-processing was... You can understand why people wanted an external post-processor, put it that way. Um, I think things have improved a lot. I mean, you, there was a time not very long ago where you couldn't move for volume-rendered star plots. Um, what about you? Have you have you got a more recent experience of the, the sort of solver-based post-processing
1: no so um i think I think similar to you i i've done a little bit in fluent and it was just painful to the point of not being worth pursuing um and i guess that's just because that was never the the perspective of the solver and you had people like insight and tech had pretty much kind of cornered the capability side uh, but i was interested that you mentioned start because I've not really used any of the CCM Plus or um any of their tool sets. Um and I've seen a few pictures of their environment and front end and my perception is that that's maybe a little bit smoother and a little bit um less painful, but I haven't had any direct experience myself. So maybe that's one that we should um see if anybody else can help us out with.
0: So I have had some slight experience of reasonably recent um, Star StarCCM post-pro uh, and using it in the way that we kind of described earlier in sort of scripting it up and letting it go to produce a sort of standard set of, of plots at the end of a run or something like that. And it was, you know, it was competent for that. It could, um, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have guessed where the out that the output had come from some sort of that, that it was kind of substandard or anything like that it certainly wasn't um and it was kind of nice to not have to go through a sort of export import process the bit that was and I can see why people would go down this route is that you depending how much post you've got to produce you you're quite often tying up a license or at least you're tying up something you know maybe you're tying up your head node or something like that on your cluster while you do some pro or um maybe even depending when you spit it out you're tying up the whole thing um and i can i can see how that's nice to return the license to the pool so it can do some of what it's really intended for doing and do your post pro later on but um it was a yeah it was a it was certainly, it had come a long way since the, the last time I tried to do anything like that, which, as I say, was kind of single-digit fluent. What are they up to now, about 15 or something?
1: Um, 17, it might even be 19, somewhere around
0: there. me, Charlie, that makes me feel old.
1: Well, no, I, I last used it in anger, I think it was on 6.
0: Yeah, I think that's, that's that, that rings a bell for me. They must have jumped 10 or something like that when they did a big release. I don't know, It's not really, it can't be that old.
1: No I think they did they did bring it in line with something else. I think it jumped to 14 or something like that.
0: Good that's making me feel less old.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's about right. But yes, so nothing else really and then um paraview with um, with openfoam just for obvious reasons of those two being very well um synchronized in terms of capability and communication which I'm guessing is the same thing for you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um and I think Paraview was a bit of a revelation for me. Um so the the only perhaps the only tool that features in my post-processing history that maybe didn't in yours was a thing called OpenDX when I was doing my PhD. So Techplot at the time wasn't super good at 3D stuff. Great at doing contour plots, particularly flat ones and great at doing um graphs and things like that although I ended up ditching it for graphs as well but um good for that sort of thing not great for 3d so in my search for something better than fluent at the time for doing 3d plots for my phd um started using something called open dx which was by ibm and it was released kind of I think it was one of my first experiences of trying to compile open source codes and things like that and it was a beast um I'm not sure if it even exists anymore. I'd be amazed if it does. But it had a very different um, workflow where it was kind of, you were kind of stringing modules together. So you piped the output of one tool into the next one, which then could split into two and be, um, processed by different nodes and in the in the workflow, and you you created your final image and things like that. And it, super powerful and a, and a really impressive tool. And at the time, you thought, wow, they're giving this away for nothing. That's uh, that's quite impressive. An absolute, you know, pain to use. But uh, once you once you got cracking, um, really quite good and coming to Paraview for the first time it was like, crikey, this does everything that I'd want it to do and it isn't a pain it isn't the sort of you sometimes have that trade off with with some of the open source codes where you think well, it's not quite as polished as I'd like but the price tag sure is good Um, and there's none of that with Paraview I'm getting my fanboy head on here Um, it, it really is that good
1: it's um yeah i I think you're right and i agree completely so i don't know what the philosophy was but thanks kitware have obviously built a whole environment of of kind of similar tools and tool sets around the around the power of environment Mm -hmm. or maybe that's part of of their bigger picture but you're absolutely right it's very quick it's very easy it's very configurable um the fact that it's open source and free is kind of just a bit of a surprise really frankly on how flexible it is. But I mean, that kind of comes back to what you were saying earlier of of why would you use anything else? Um, and maybe there are some good reasons. I think one of them is just for those people who aren't particularly comfortable with, um, unsupported software. Yeah, Absolutely. There's there's the people who would like to be able to phone someone up and and help them solve their problems. And that's absolutely fine. You won't get that with Paraview. Um, you'll have to figure it out for yourself. Um, So just in terms of functional capability, I mean, I guess there's, um, I mean, Insight was certainly when I used it and it would probably be the same for you. It had the potential to, I think, be a little bit more visually spectacular um, in terms of what you could do with it. But I'm, I'm guessing you could probably still stretch Paraview to that level. Maybe it was just because Insight was commercial and supported. It was a little bit clearer in terms of um, being able to figure out how to do those sorts of things. I don't know whether you'd agree with that. So that's the only thing for me. I mean, personally, it's not something I'm too fussed about, but I'm just trying to think of particular features or characteristics that maybe Paraboo doesn't have that some of the commercial guys have. I mean,
0: maybe, maybe a handful of years ago, I'd have probably gone with that, but I think it's come quite a long way fairly recently. I mean, some of the... Some of the things that I, I don't use a lot and some people maybe lean a little bit heavier on than me, it's never been something I've been that bothered about, but things like um, ray tracing with shadows and materials and things like that, I've never really considered it as a as a renderer, although I believe it now has that, that capability. Um, so kind of that more almost... Edging towards photorealistic rendering and, you know, these kind of fancy plots that you see, um, where you've got what either is CFD results composited over the top of a, um, a, an image or you've actually photoreal rendered your, um, your CFD results and your geometry to, to kind of look like it was a, a snapshot or something like that. Um, not something I've, I've spent a lot of time on. They tend to, take a lot of effort and there's sort of some specialist knowledge there, you know. Until you've really got a handle on the unseen stuff like lighting and, and materials, you, you you end up producing something that looks a bit budget, um, with the best will in the world.
1: Yeah, I guess um for me, if you were looking to do those sorts of things, I'd be thinking about Blender. Um not that it's that's something that I've used um, in anger in any sense. I think it's probably one of the only tool sets that I've had a look at where the learning curve has been immediately more abrasive than open foams. Um, oh,
0: I'm glad you went there. Cause yeah, it's absolutely, If is there anything above vertical? I don't know. The, uh, it's yeah. Wow. I,
1: I think abrasive is probably a, a decent description of the learning curve. It's um, yeah, absolutely imposing. Um, I, I guess in my mind that having seen a lot of people who have um, climbed their way up that um, a lot of the things you can see on youtube and other other videos all look very nicely done in blender i I guess i I'd, I'd struggle to see how Powerview could compete immediately, but maybe it can and I just haven't I haven't looked around enough
0: yeah maybe I haven't pressed the right buttons um, the other thing that uh, again I don't use a lot of, and I, uh, it's not something I, I have call for. But the the volume rendering always looked quite quite interesting, where you kind of um, vary the opacity of a of a volume with a scalar, so that you've got like this kind of ghostly effect, almost like an iso surface, but kind of nicer. Um, but I always found it to be very very heavy. Although there's this there in the latest releases, they're including some of the Nvidia trick rendering stuff, um, I guess maybe you have to have the hardware to back it up, and I don't, but they uh, they look really quite quite impressive, renders of absolutely giant, enormous quite often astronomical, and not in the superlative astronomical data sets um, things like supernovas and stuff like that, that always look uh, they look quite impressive um, this sort of size of data set that I'm, I'm never going to have so if it can render that, then it should be able to
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: bash out an isosurface around a race car.
1: Yeah, and so the other thing um, for PowerView that I hadn't done before was using it to look at data sets live mid-solve. Um, so that was something that was tied into the use of open foam, and I'd, um, you can use it with other um, other solvers, but I'm not sure how easy it would be to use it with commercial ones. And I'm not sure how how the commercial guys utilize their post processors to potentially look at unconverged, um, developing flow fields that you might want to just have a look at to see if you think you've got your setup right or spot problems or things like that. So I got the uh,
0: impression you could do that in in Star. Um, yeah, but I wasn't doing that sort of thing
1: no but I mean that was um, wasn't, wasn't really a game changer but it was definitely a um, something that I found very useful being able to see um, see simulations in the process as they were going along um, just to keep check on them make sure they're going all right and tweak setup so that was that was another thing for paraview that um, I hadn't done before using it
0: so how much do you think are sort of paraview Paraview fanboyism would translate if we were using something other than OpenFoam?
1: Um, well, I guess coming from the experience with OpenFoam, I kind of try and take my power view fanboyism with me. Um, it can read fluent case and data as far as I'm aware. Um, so that should be okay. I don't know. I don't know how many proprietary formats it can read natively. Um, But then I guess you've got, um, like you say, you've got the commercial offerings that might do that. But I don't know how many commercial solvers are kind of in tune with that visualize as you go ethos. I mean, it, it felt like when I was able to do that with Paraview that it was just something that the commercial solvers weren't really catering for. So that was kind of the, um the thing that woke me up to it a little bit, it was a, a bit of a, a kind of surprise that you could do it just because other people didn't seem to be promoting it very much.
0: Right. I think it, some of that might come down to the the way that OpenFoam writes its data. You know, it's kind of it's all it's all there for you to uh, to play around with, if you like, without really getting in the way of what's going on.
1: Yes, absolutely well, and so that brings me on to the question that popped into my mind when you were talking about um if it doesn't do batch, i'm not intre- uh, batch, I'm not interested. so your batch I've got that on a badge How, <laughs> how big's the badge Huge. massive badge um, excellent. So do you do batch processing through Powerview or do you do it through open phone?
0: No, I yeah I do. Um, so I tend to do some sort of export at the end of a um, of a, an open foam solve, and then uh, do a batch um, post process workflow using um, quite often just using the the PV batch um, engine, if you like. So using um, Python script oh python we I mentioned it like it's good Excellent. not not that I'd know how to write a python script if it my life depended on it but it does it does write out some quite nice uh, traces that give you more or less of a a handy helping hint of, uh, of where you're going wrong um so no I would that's my kind of workflow um not tend not to do anything interactively in Python. I believe you can do that like with PV Python, um, but no, use the the batch processor. Um, and as I say, usually kind of write out fairly lightweight post processing objects from OpenFoam, so slices, isosurfaces, surfaces, surfaces, things like that. So rather than reading in um, an entire geometry into Paraview and trying to slice and dice it in there just to sort of give me a bit more headroom on whatever machine
1: I'm using. Okay, so you make some maps with OpenFOAM and Paraview outputs then?
0: So, yeah, I'd use um, Paraview to to read in sort of objects that I've, I've extracted from, from the flow domain in, in open foam. So yeah, some of the, in the, in the recent open foam releases, they've wrapped it up into the kind of the post-process tool, haven't they, for doing ISO surfaces and, uh, and and, and surface exports and things like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And so I guess the other one from a a PowerView perspective is what we touched on earlier. So a bit of client serverism, Um, I think you're probably best placed to, um, to talk a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, I mean, of the uh, off the top of my head, the two of the things I like most about Paraview, one of them would be the, the client-server architecture, um, because I do virtually all my solves. Well, yeah, let's just say all my solves remotely, and being able to inspect the data interactively via a, a client-server set up rather than having to bring back either having to bring back all the data and then inspect it locally or have some kind of remote desktop or something like that that's kind of a bit more fragile, a bit more laggy than than this this client server architecture that, that is built into PowerView and works like a charm. So I would fire up a server Remotely, So fire up a server on, on AWS or something like that, typically on a machine that's got no graphics hardware, and then connect to that using a client from my local machine uh, over the web. And I'm not 100% sure how it decides what goes on where uh, in terms of what gets rendered and what gets sent down the wire, but it's relatively snappy, and my connection is nothing wildly amazing, I mean in some parts of the world perhaps it perhaps it would be wildly amazing but anybody listening in the States or something like that, it's probably not, not that amazing, um, so it's not like you have to be on some super high speed backbone to, to be able to do this, um, it, it kind of works quite nicely, some operations are a bit slow, um, if you're kind of spinning around um, the LIC plots or something like that sometimes it gets a little bit laggy um, that can get a little bit laggy locally as well
1: yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, that that was on my mind because I was reading um, – I can't remember whether I sent you the link to the article. There was something um, – there was an article I was reading about um, cloud computing, which I think we'll touch on in a, um, another episode. I've heard of that. You've heard of cloud computing? Absolutely. So there was a few people making some um, – points and discussions around um, industrial use of cloud computing for, uh, from a simulation perspective and what the issues were. And um, I'll have to dig it out because there was... A- it was on
0: engineering.com.
1: Oh, okay, so you have read it. Um, so can you remember the? Uh, there was a very senior chap who I think was from Autodesk, um, and he was suggesting that one of the... Um, one of the limitations to cloud computing for simulation was the fact that you've got all of your data on the cloud computers um, and it's quite um, time-consuming to download it or to post-process it. Um, And I was somewhat surprised by that um, comment, basically against what you've just said, because ParaView can allow you to see what your data looks like without you having to bring it back over the the, cloud network connections back to your local machines in your office or desk or wherever. So I was, I was, I don't know whether I was missing something or whether this person was missing something, but it felt like there was a little bit of a disconnect there, which I still quite haven't figured out.
0: I, I can, I mean, it's one of those things without, without parlaying this into a sort of cloud discussion, because we're going to do that another time. But, um, It depends on the specifics. I mean, some of the cloud compute resource doesn't have, um, isn't isn't geared up for doing that sort of thing for that kind of interactive model. Um, You know, you you jobs on the cluster because they're quite often thinly disguised cluster queuing. Systems, so your jobs on the cluster, it, it runs, it comes off, and something else goes on, um, and they're not necessarily always geared up to have something that can, sort of a fat node or a head node or something that can read it in and, and be able to interactively play around with it. Um, the technology is there, absolutely. I mean, the, the even the, the the Paraview way of doing things with the client server, that's handy for doing it yourself, but I mean. You only need to look at any of the, the cloud um, CFD offerings, um, SimScale, take the obvious one, where you know they're spinning around heavy data sets or what appear to be heavy data sets in the browser. I mean, you're not actually bringing that down the wire. You're bringing some representation of that that you can manipulate um, down the wire, whether it's WebGL or, or Hoops or something like that. Um, there's various ways of doing it, but yeah, it, it, it also, it's a reflection a little bit of, there's a similar argument at the opposite end of the the workflow where if you're not using some sort of automatable meshing, then you've got the same thing at the other end. Oh, I'm going to have to upload however many gigabytes of mesh before I can even start. Um, and that's a pain point and that's how it that's how it works if you're uh, – I'm not going to get on my – yeah, like I say, I'm not going to get on my cloud CFD hobby horse, but that that kind of – that's how it works if you're doing it wrong. Um, it's kind of replicating a local workflow in the cloud quite often is suboptimal. Um, and there are better ways of doing all these things. And like we were just discussing, the cloud – sorry, the client-server architecture of something like Paraview. I mean, it's not its not unique to Paraview. Loads of things have it. Um, I think, I'm pretty sure Insight's got it. For example, I'm pretty sure they probably all got it. Um, but it does make for kind of a fairly snappy uh, cloud CFD experience. Um, certainly better than remote shelling or remote desktoping into a into a workstation, particularly if that workstation which... They often don't doesn't have any graphics hardware.
1: Yeah, very true. Okay, well, that sounds like good food for thought for subsequent cloud discussions. When um, I'm hoping you will get on your high horse.
0: Yeah, yeah. The uh, I'll, I'll try not to. I can see it. Um, but um, yeah, there's uh, with all these things. There's we're not the we're not the first. In CFD to be tackling some of these problems, you know they they they've long been solved a lot of these things by by other fields of interest. Um, and Paraview, I mean, isn't by any means a, a CFD post processor. It just happens to be a post processor that deals with heavy FEM um, FEM datasets and does the kind of visualisations that, that we, we like to do. I mean, there's other branches of science that run much heavier datasets that it's equally well geared up to and uh, and is and probably much more challenging, I would contend. Some of the, like I say, some of the astronomical, astro- astronomical, is that the right? It's not astrological, is it? That'd be a horoscope. I'm sure you don't do horoscopes in Perivy. Um, some of those kind of data sets are, are enormous um, and they they seem to be fairly zippy on the on the various configurations.
1: Yeah, you do see quite a lot of, um, I think the NVIDIA PR stuff, um, they use PowerView quite a lot for quite a lot of those data sets that are solved on all their, um, their WSY Teslas. And I do recall a few things. I think it was, um, I think it was a, can't remember which conference it was. It was a supercomputing conference where the um, PyFR guys were um, using Paraview to remotely view the um, simulation that was running on the the Titan super GPU cluster in the state somewhere. Um, so you you do see it around those things, you know, with regards to that kind of data set size. Um, so, yeah, yeah,
0: I'm not going to be broaching a billion nodes for a while. <laughs> that was no. with a with a b if that wasn't clear
1: yeah the older i'm not telling you how many cells i've got unless you tell me how many you've got
0: i was at a conference a long time ago and i was in the queue for the um for the snacks or whatever it was or the the lunch or something like that and it was an automotive conference and there was a guy behind me from a, a tier one manufacturer and there was another guy who I can't remember whether he was, I think he might've been an academic or something like that. Anyway, they were, they were having a, having a wag, And, uh, the the guy from the automotive supplier or the, the, the tier one company said to him that, um, they were currently running uh, a billion cells and, uh, the academic was like, oh, a million cells, that's 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 pretty good. Um, and they go, uh, no, a billion cells with a B. Oh. Uh, they, they, it, was, it was sort of one of those moments where it was, you could see it was kind of a billion cells was beyond the comprehension of the academic. Um, it, it was so far removed from his experience that... Uh, as to sort of render him speechless. Thankfully, we got to the front of the queue shortly after that and the uh, conversation could change to whatever the thing was in the source that we didn't know.
1: It just reminds me of the... um of the fun and games that you and I both uh, experienced in motorsport, where um, if you met with anybody from a, from an alternative team, then the, the last thing you would tell them, even if you were subsequently about to die, was how many cells you were running in your CFD models of your F1 car. Um, I never quite figured out why that was something that you just never even talked about.
0: Mine's bigger than yours, all that sort of thing.
1: Well, yeah, it was like some kind of, it was the top of the list of the trade secrets, of, you know, nothing to do with, Anything clever you were doing with turbulence modeling. It was just the you know the number of pieces you'd split the domain around your car into. That was the most important number.
0: It's the equivalent of a it's the CFD equivalent of a vanity metric, isn't it? It's the CFD equivalent of how many likes you got on your Instagram picture or how many followers you've got on Twitter or something like that.
1: Yeah. I used to I used to enjoy asking people and just watching them get uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, use a bad man. Oh well, it was, you've got to find your fun and game somewhere. You? <laughs> yeah,
0: well, yeah, at that sort of conference, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So we've kind of set this up for um, going on to uh, a cloud chat, um, and we've got a few more ideas in the background. Is that is that kind of where we where we going to go next? Do you think?
1: I think so. I think this um, following the the little threaded sections we had in our last series, if you like, I think this um, tags nicely onto. Um cloud, I think maybe a little bit um open source might still feature, but I think um segueing from uh from Paraview onto cloud computing for the kind of functionality and some of the things that that we've talked about is probably sensible, and I'm going to try my hardest to get you on your high horse,
0: okay, well, I mean, with the caveat that it'll be cloud computing as we see it and what 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 we do if you like um other flavours are probably available, and uh, there'll be plenty that we
1: don't know about. All sorts of things.
0: Any super favourite Paraview feature you want to leave us with, or or not?
1: Um, I like um, I like the LIC plots that you've already mentioned. Um, yeah,
0: that's where I was going to go. I'd be two. I'd two top things, but it was going to be LIC. I had to code one of those myself when I was just after. I think it was after PhD. Actually, no, it was between um, sort of. I want a better word than failing, but um, having an argument with the external examiner in my driver, um and doing the corrections, we put some LIC in there just to spice it up a little bit.
1: <laughs> and uh, a, a, a similar thing. So a conversation I had while I was doing my PhD about um, doing streamlines um in 2D, it's all mathematically sensible, I think. So you've got your equations for stream functions in two dimensions, which um, hang together mathematically. But apparently, there isn't a, a proper mathematical description of the stream function in three dimensions. So streamlines are a little bit artificial. It was That's my contribution to PhD-level insight to LIC and streamlines.
0: Yeah, there was all some crazy, you have to map it back to something and then project it on and all sorts of craziness, don't you?
1: Yeah, I think so. It all gets a little bit more, a little bit more involved than two simple partial differential equations for two dimensions. Much easier.
0: Oh, my my version was so slow. I mean, you could you could do an LIC plot of an F1 car in the time it took me to uh, sort of do the do the first pass of a uh, sort of I don't know two fifty square plot.
1: Hey, good stuff. Okay, so I think um, sounds like we're teeing next week up nicely for um, cloud then. Um, and I think we should still try and get into the NASA 2030 vision and the UK government level simulation document for a for a little bit of a... Um, I'm trying, I'm trying. Okay, yeah. We'll, we'll, some, some reading time is clearly required, um, but I think we should uh, encourage ourselves to do that after we've done the cloud.
0: Let's do that. I like it. Great stuff. Cool. Good to speak to you, Simon.
1: And you, Robin. Take care. We'll be back. See ya. Bye-bye.